What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar podcast live stream. All right, man. Episode sixty-seven. This is this is pretty cool, man. I got a, a group on a dude that started a nonprofit called the Dirt Therapy Project. Man, I hope I didn't screw that up. Anyways, uh, before we get started, you guys know I I need to rant for a minute. Um, I appreciate you guys that are listening to the podcast. I looked the other day, we're still like, we're tracking like 5,000 downloads a month. That's pretty sick. I never thought there'd be 5,000 people wanting to listen to this thing. And the channel's growing, just over 2,000 subscribers right now. So that's doing really good, considering that it took me like a couple of years to do that on the biker, biker channel. And here we are on the podcast, and it's like a couple of months, boom. So if you guys are enjoying these shows, please hit the subscribe button, man. It means a lot. And if you like it, hit the thumbs up button. And if you don't, I don't care what you do then just walk away or hit the button twice. That's cool too. Either way, if you really like the show, you can swing by either. Well, you can get on whatever podcast app that you're listening to it on and leave a review because that helps the uh, podcast grow. Allegedly. I just made that up. I don't know if it actually does, but I feel like it does. So just work with me guys. Just work with me. <laughs> Anyways, if you like to see extra content from the, the biker channel or the biker bar or whatever, just hook up with the Facebook or the Instagram because I'm always posting stuff over there. So it's definitely a way to stay in tune. But if you really want like the insider access, then you got to head over to Patreon for a buck a month. Just like you buy a beer, you give that dude a dollar. You're like, thanks for pouring that beer. Well, just just check this out. You come to this bar, you give me a buck, and you don't get to drink, but you get to watch me. So that's probably worth a buck. And then <laughs> if you want something more than that, you can uh, throw in $5, get a sticker pack, and uh, there's access. I got coupon codes for a lot of the companies that, that we have on the show or that I work with with the Biker Channel, and um, you'll probably make your money back. So it's, it's a good deal and it helps me keep this channel going. The other day, my gimbal died. I need to figure out how I'm gonna buy a new GoPro or something like that. So come on guys, throw in, kick down, man. Share the wealth. <laughs> if you guys super chat while we're, uh, while we're on here on the live stream, man, I really appreciate that. It's awesome. I don't always get a chance to, uh, to acknowledge it whenever it happens, but dude, you guys are, you guys are awesome. And yeah, check this out. Ian just brought something up. I have these freaking super cool ass beer koozies. These are the biker koozies. They're a slap koozie. So you could just slap that thing on your wrist and uh, relive the eighties, or you could slap that thing on your beer and uh, keep it cold. <sighs> I'm doing this in the camera for those of you guys that are watching on the, or not those of you guys that are listening. This, this is the coolest freaking koozie you've ever seen in your life. You should buy 10 of them. If you want to get one, you can swing by shop.biker.com. I changed the prices after last week because I just started running my mouth before I checked uh, uh, shipping. And apparently it costs $20 to ship it to Australia. And um, so I'm not shipping internationally. But if you really, really, if you're international and you want one, like hit me up on Instagram or something like that. I'll just go figure out what the shipping is ahead of time. We can work that out. I just didn't know how to do it on my website. And I didn't feel like putting the effort into it. So nine bucks including that's including shipping anywhere in the u.s you get one of them anywhere in the u.s for 20 you get three so might as well get three the cool thing about these is that if you if you don't want to keep your beer cold you can at least put it around the down tube of your bike and when you're shuttling it's not going to screw up your paint which is a plus that's the whole reason i end up making those things so 
Anyways, let's go ahead and get on with the show here. We got Jonathan. I'm going to pop him over here. Bam. There he is. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on? How are you? <laughs> Not bad, dude. Just um, went for a little ride earlier today. And um, life is good, dude. I can't complain too much, right? Yeah. That's good. So you, you've been riding it all this week? Uh, this week, I've been pretty crazy as far as my actual job goes, right? So running the Dirt Therapy Project is purely just a passion. Oh, right on. Um, so I work full time in corporate America. Anyway, I've been slamming this week. What do you do? What do you do for corporate America? Uh, I do vendor relationship management for a Fortune 100 bank and financial wow. institution. Yeah, that's that's cool. that sounds that sounds interesting, but not as cool as riding bikes. <laughs> yeah, not even close. <laughs> right. So not what's what's close. the Dirt Therapy Project, man? Yeah. So the Dirt Therapy Project. It's a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Um, I started this program about two and a half years ago. And if, if anybody here has heard a podcast I've done before, this is probably going to sound familiar. Um, I'll give you the kind of the cliff note version of how we started. So yeah, let's do it. I was in the Marine Corps from 2009 to 2013. And during that time, uh, deployed in support, in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. I was in Afghanistan and ended up in a small little place in Helmand called Sangin. Uh, while I was in Sangin, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines was there. This is 2009-2010 time mm -hmm. frame. Um, and they showed up looking for a fight, and they definitely got it. And uh, it was a very bloody deployment. And so, kind of like I tell everybody, right, there's things that you see when you're deployed that you just, they change who you are a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, fast forward, I guess it was, you know, five, six years after I had gotten out of the Marine Corps, uh, tried to, you know, adjust back to civilian life. I'm working this highly stressful job. I, at the time, had two young kids, and I was going to grad school at nights, and just the stress was unrelenting, right? Right, there was right. No way to, to get a break ever. Um, so I jumped on Craigslist, and I bought a cheap, you know, 15-year-old Kona full suspension bike, um, similar to one that I rode back in high school mm -hmm. and jumped on that and I'd start riding it after school, uh, excuse me, after work and before school and just totally fell right back in love with mountain biking. It was like right. I had been off of a bike. Right. Um, so that's really how it started, right? It was something that helped me immensely. And then, you know, the rule of bikes N plus one is the perfect amount of bikes. Right. Right. Um, you always need more. Exactly. So shortly after I bought the Kona, got back into it. I found a, you know, an older specialized enduro. I bought that, and then I all of a sudden had a bike that I could loan out. And I started inviting buddies out with me. They loved it, um, and so really the Dirt Therapy Project was born right on the trails here in San Antonio. Right on, man. I always call it single track therapy. First of all, dude, thanks for your service, man. I appreciate that. Oh, thanks for sure. You know, like. Uh, I'm a veteran too. And every time somebody says that, I'm always like, I don't know what the fuck they're saying that for, you know, but like on the other hand, like, yeah, you know, that that's cool, man. It's awesome. Whenever people do say it. So like, I, I think the older I get, the more I fucking care about it. You, you know what I mean? Like when I was young, I first got out of the army. I was like, whatever, dude, all I did was get drunk, <laughs> you know? And then I'm sure by the time I'm 60, I'm gonna have one of those fucking hats from the VFW dude. Be walking around. Yeah flags on my shirt and shit. <laughs> right. Right. right on, man. So what'd you do in the Marines? 
Uh, I was a utility engineer in the Marine Corps, uh-huh. so I worked on mobile power systems. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, generators, forward operating generators, uh-huh. power grids and all that good stuff. So, when, so you, you said 2009, were you like just getting out of high school, you signed up or something? Uh, so I was 21 when I joined the Corps. Oh, right on, man. A little older than most going in. Um, yeah, you were like a grandpa in basic training then, man. <laughs> I don't know if I was a grandpa. We had people older than me, but I was definitely yeah, middle aged. We had this one dude, man. I bet you it was like 32, man. But to us, we all, I think we all called him grandpa, honestly. Yeah. It's like, I know when I was 32, because I'm like 43 now, I feel like I'm fucking hell old, right? Yeah. But, uh, I remember like being like 32 and thinking about how hard we gave that guy, how much shit we gave him. I was like, I was like, man, he actually really wasn't that old, but to us, man, we just gave it to him. So why, why, why wait till you're 21 to go in? Uh, so kind of an interesting segue right after high school. Well, when I was 17, I tried joining the Marine Corps, right? I tried uh-huh. to do the delayed entry program. Right, uh, right. So to do that, you have to get your parents' signature. Yeah. So, I had gone through that, had all those hard conversations with my mom and dad. Um, they're like, okay, you know, really hesitant and tentative about it. And I get all the way to MEPS, and something in my medical history had set off a flag for them. Uh-huh. So they're like, hey, you need to call your parents and have them sign this waiver. Uh-huh. So I call them, and they're like, no, we're not going to sign this waiver. You know, We talked about it and decided that if anything came up, um, then maybe it wasn't meant to be. Uh-huh we're going to pull the plug on it. So then I have to leave MEPS, you know, tell my recruiter, Hey, sorry, man. And walk out with my tail between my legs. Like, a, right. You know, whatever you want to say. Dude, MEPS is crazy, man. Whenever I went in, like they, like, I, I feel like their, uh, their whole like mission is to like, keep you from being in the military. <laughs> and they said that, that I had like, what do they call it? Like hyperchondration of the palms which basically okay. means my hand sweat. Right. Yeah. And there, and like the doctor was like, like, yeah, if you're in the field and this is happening, you could like smear the, 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 the map or something like that and like mess up the mission. And you know, like whenever I would be like in Bosnia, just freaking sweating bullets all over the place. And I would always think about that. Like, look at this freaking rainstorm. I'm making off my, my eyebrows right now. <laughs> Apparently my hands don't fucking matter. You know? So yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. So right yeah. on, man. So then you went in. Where where, where were you stationed? Uh, so I, I did my my schooling in North Carolina, and then I was stationed at Miramar, which mm-hmm. used to be a naval air station. Yeah, yeah. Probably, you know, thirty miles south of Camp Pendleton. Yeah, uh, is, don't don't they do like for some reason? I feel like like Top Gun or something. Isn't isn't Miramar yeah. something to do with that? Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, that's like I heard that shit in a movie. Pop <laughs> gun out there, right on, man. So you said you rode mountain bikes when you were in high school. Yep. Was it like like seriously like you ride now or kind of just like I had a mountain bike and like? Uh yeah no it was fairly serious. So right when I was sixteen, I well I I raced BMX a little bit growing up and oh you know, cool okay my first mountain bike was a full suspension from Toys R Us. It was one of those yellow mongoose bikes from sixth uh-huh. grade whatever. Um, you know, fast forward, I got, I got a paper route in high school and I bought a 2004 Kona stinky brand new. Uh-huh. Um, I grew up in Utah, so there was lots of nice riding. Um, and I, you know, I probably crashed a lot more than I rode back then. The skills definitely weren't there. 
but the yeah. the courage, I guess, or the stupidity yeah. was there in full force. Um, so yeah, I rode in high school. Um, uh-huh. Not nearly as good as I can ride now. Right, not- right, right. No, I hear you. I was just trying to understand because, you know, some people had a mountain bike in high school, but it was just kind of like that's what they used to go like, you know, down to the store to get slushies or something. You know what right. I mean? They're so not necessarily because you. So you just said said earlier like. Hey, this is the same kind of bike I had when I was younger or something like that. So right. I know whenever I got back into mountain biking, like things have changed a lot from the time. Cause I, I, I rode in high school. I did the same thing as you. I was like BMX when I was younger and rode mountain bike in high school. And then, uh, when I went in military, it was like, just like drinking beer and chasing women was more fun than riding bikes. And then, uh, did that, got a family and decided to, after, uh, starting to get fat i was like man i need to do something about this so i got, got back into riding and man shit changed a lot you know it was like i walked yeah. into the store thinking i was gonna spend two grand and get a badass bike and they were like no <laughs> not quite so um i'm assuming like a little bit of like ptsd kind of thing after afterwards that's that's where you were saying it was pretty bloody kind of kind of uh tough to deal with things like getting back into the the real world yeah definitely i mean you see stuff like that and it changes who you are yeah. like i said yeah. you know 100 um, man not that it's a not that it's a sob story but i knew yeah. that it was a good release for me and a good way for me to you know focus some positive energy because yeah. a lot of people transition out of the service after having served in a combat zone and rather than kind of address those things or find healthy ways to mitigate those problems. They're just, you know, trying to drown them out with drugs, alcohol. Yeah. I mean, cause a lot of us, that's what we learned when we were in, you right. know, like, like the way that we dealt with everything while we were in was like, Hey, let's go get hammered and beat on some people or something. You know, <laughs> like I was in the infantry. So, I mean, that's, that's all we did was get drunk and beat people up. You know, it was kind of yeah. like, yeah. So getting out into the the back to the real world is like, wait a minute, man. We don't got a, I don't got a group of, I don't have a gang rolling with me all over the place. <laughs> we can just do whatever the hell we want. Right. Plus, I was stationed in Europe too, so it was like for some reason we thought the rules didn't apply to us. It was even worse, you know. Yeah. So yeah, no, I get it. So then you you start you start riding, and um, that definitely gives you some clarity. I know it does for me, and I think maybe you could speak to this as well. But for me, like one of the main, like one of the things that I like, one of the million things that I, I like about mountain biking is like, it does remind me of being in the military. It, like when you're going on a ride and um, you got to suck your way up some hill, it reminds me of some bullshit, like road march that we had to go on some patrol for, you know, 12 hours and the wrong way. And, you know, like too, too hot of a day carrying too much weight. But you still have like each other and then, you know, whatever, once you overcome everything, like, like feels good, you know, and it's the same thing as like, as riding, you know, so you have that camaraderie and you're, you're out in the the woods. And I don't know, for me, it's just like, I like that part of it, you know, but I also like the part where you can just kind of tune everything in the whole world out. And it's just, uh, you know, one pedal stroke at a time is really all you're thinking about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So what's the, uh, what's the, what is it that for you that you feel like it kind of like what helps? Yeah. So, I mean, the things you mentioned, you know, when I, 
when I ride by myself, it's usually I get up early before work, before the kids mm-hmm. are awake, um, like early morning PT, you know, and I get yeah, up. Yeah. Um, rather than pre-combat inspections, I'm doing a pre-ride inspection on my gear. I have everything yeah. staged. I know where it is. I know what's going on. Uh-huh. Um, the solitude is nice, right? And that's kind of one of the things you touched on. Sometimes, and and this applies, I think, to everybody, not not veterans, but we live in a world right now that's so switched on, right? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, like you're mm. inundated with information nonstop, you know, 24 mm. seven. And to get on a bike and just switch the phone off or put it in your pocket and get out there in the woods, I think is absolutely necessary for everybody. Yeah. Because it just gives you a time out from this, you know, onslaught. Yeah bad news essentially right we live in a pretty crazy yeah. world right now and it's well that's like, the only thing the media wants to talk about man they want to talk about yeah. butterflies and shit you know <laughs> like they're yeah. just like let's tell you about the doom and gloom the covid's gonna kill you yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure that's crazy yeah it's just um it's 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 a lot yeah it's definitely a lot going on you know mm-hmm. and i think that it's good that you're trying like you're bringing some attention to it you know and like giving people like an option of like hey let's let's you know do something about this instead of just something negative or the other thing too like i know for me i um i just i, I was in the infantry and the the way that you fixed everything was just shut up and drive on you know yeah. and and like when you get out you have that, you know, that same mentality where it's like, and you never are going to be like, you, you don't want to ask for help. You know, you're just like, Oh, I, I can make it through this. I can, I can deal with this. Like, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be broke. You know, I don't want to be like, like a pussy, you know? And, yeah. um, it, it took for me like years until like, I, I had like a, a serious, like, like panic, like meltdown driving back from taking my, my lady out on the coast for this, uh, for her birthday. And it was like, you know, they say, you know, when you're drinking or whatever, like alcohol makes your, that kind of stuff a little worse. So, which is like a double edged sword for guys that are getting out, you know? So it was like, we had a bunch of drinks for her birthday the night before. And it was like the next day, just we're driving along these like cliffs along the ocean. And I just freaking lost my shit. And like, to the point where like, I've never felt like that in my life, like where it just like felt like, like everything was just crumbling around me. And, um, I, I just, at that point I was like, you know, I'm, I, I can't like ignore this anymore. And I need to go like down to the VA and like talk to somebody. And, uh, it took a lot for me to do that, man. You know, it, it really did. And it really like, I remember like talking to the doctor dude and just like out of nowhere, it's like, I'm fucking balling and shit. And I'm like, I don't even like, who the hell is this dude? You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, uh, then, you know, after like, I kind of like accepted that that's what I needed to do. Like it made me realize that, man, that really like helped a lot. And, um, now I'm like an advocate for my friends that were in the military and they're like going through shit. And I'm like, dude, I'm serious. Go down there, man. Like talk, they got groups you can talk to like, and, um, 
And a lot of them are in the same place as I was where that, you know, I think you like have to get there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know if, if it was the same for you, but I feel like guys, you know, we're all just trying to be tough, you know, and we were in a, in a job where like being tough was part of it. You know, I don't know what, what what's your take? Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, this, um, definitely has gone a different way than I anticipated, but I, yeah. I certainly am happy to talk about it. So, you know, to your point, the army, the Marine Corps, you just suck it up, right? Like you just, right. you, I guess, bury your emotions, bury your feelings, right? Yeah. An accomplishment is number one priority. Uh-huh. And so it took me, I've been out for 10 years. Uh-huh. And for 10 years, I refused to acknowledge anything about, you know, any mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I just, I didn't want to be that vet. Yeah. Right? I didn't want yeah, to be Jonathan who has PTSD. I didn't right. want to be Jonathan who is in the core and, you know, came home broken because I, yeah. I didn't want that pity party. Right. And I didn't, I wanted to be seen for who I am, not mm-hmm. for, you know, for being broken or any instances yeah. that I feel like society places yeah. those kind of veterans. Right, um, right. Yeah, so I've been out 10 years and, you know, this year kind of started that journey on myself. Mm-hmm. And I guess it it was a little bit of humble pie, you know, starting this program, I wanted to help others. Yeah. That was my drive. And we've been, you know, this program's been around for two and a half years. And it took that long for me to realize that, you know, I probably need some work as well right like oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah these other veterans and turn a blind eye to myself because that was my justification is like i'm helping people so yeah you know through that i'm helping myself which wasn't really the case uh-huh um, and it took until this year to be like okay i need to work on me for a little bit oh i see see i was kind of thinking maybe like you kind of had that realization and then you started the the program so you started program before you even started looking at yourself huh yeah so 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 you were just like man this is this is this feels good to me and i think this will help good be good for other veterans or it was like you just were like oh these other guys they got problems i need to help them no so the thought process was hey i absolutely love this i love being on a bike we've got some great trails to ride here in san antonio Uh i want other people to have access to this Uh i reflected back on my own journey getting out of the military, you know, I was mm-hmm. in grad school, I was broke for like five years mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I want vets to come out and I want them to have access to this kind of gear. Mm-hmm. But it's unrealistic for me to think that anybody who PCSs or EAS is out of service mm-hmm. can just go buy a bike and try this and see if it works for them. Yeah. It's expensive to get into. Yeah. Super expensive. That's a huge barrier of entry for a lot of people. You know, these young guys, 23 24 they're getting out they probably don't have a dime to their name because they bought a mustang yeah. at like 30 percent apr you know what i mean right. like, fucking got, got a badass ass stereo though <laughs> they're still paying on that they you know percent <laughs> interest on that thing right um, and so that was the thing is like well i'm gonna start this program and i'm gonna raise some money and buy a couple bikes uh-huh. and let people use them at no cost and honestly that's as big as i ever thought this was gonna go Right, like when I sat down and I started doing my business plan or my mission plan, I was like, okay, I need ten thousand dollars. With ten grand, I can get a couple bikes. I can get a rack that I can transport stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I can buy all the safety gear necessary. 
and that'll be everything. That's all I'll ever need, and that's the program will just exist for yeah, eternity, yeah. you know, in perpetuity with the ten thousand dollar right uh, money, which you know isn't the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know uh, how that goes. And everything seems so much easier before you actually start doing it. Yeah. Like, even with a stupid YouTube channel, man. When I started, I was like, all I need is a GoPro, man. It's like 400 bucks. I'm in. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Now you got headphones and you're right. Microphone oh, and, dude, you know. Ridiculous. You don't even know. <laughs> it's like, it's like having another bike addiction. You know how like you just want to spend all your money on bikes. It's like now I spend all my money on bikes and camera gear and lights and stupid <laughs> stuff like that. It's like, oh my God, it's ridiculous. So, so you buy a couple of bikes and you're thinking at that point, you're going to be like, you're like, I'm, I'm going to, you know, reach out to some veterans, you know, and just like do like weekly rides and take these guys on them or monthly rides or like, what was the plan? Yep. So that was the plan. Buy a couple bikes, um, try to get some sort of social media presence out there and let people mm -hmm. know that we exist. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's some great mountain bike groups here in San Antonio so, you guys have a pretty good community down there from what I yeah. what I know. Yeah, so I got plugged in there and just, you know, very slowly started telling people what we were about. And I don't know, it just it grew, right? It, it yeah. kind of grew by itself. Like, like, yeah, I've done a ton of legwork and I've spent hours and hours and hours of time, but the yeah, growth, totally. like the growth is pretty awesome to see. Yeah. So now we're at the point where a couple times a year we're taking larger trips, right? So two weeks ago we spent the weekend in Bentonville. Uh, oh, sweet! With how many people do you have out there? We had twenty. Sweet. Yeah. So That's super cool. Yeah, which is Brad. You know, so going from hey, I've got this bike you can use here locally to hey, we can afford to pay for travel, lodging, food right for 20 people to go wow. ride Bentonville has been an astronomical leap. So how'd um, you come up with that first 10 grand? Yeah. So the first 10 grand, I guess, came from what you'd call angel investors in a normal type business. Mm -hmm. um, my, my first plan or my first, uh, well, how do you say this fundraiser or seed money came from people on LinkedIn. Uh -huh. uh, I think people are sleeping on LinkedIn, but I just got on there and I made this post and I told everybody what I wanted to do and had some family members and, and colleagues and people that I had gone to church with in California. Uh -huh. um, you know, they don't, they contributed to a GoFundMe we had started. And uh -huh. We raised like 1500 bucks that way. Um, and then, yeah, just, I don't know where that first 10 grand came from. Just, fundraisers and just came along <laughs> yeah and then we started printing t-shirts and then that would help with some other stuff and then we did mud guards and you know it's, uh, it's, it's so merchandising is some of the ways that you're continuing to bring bring uh money and do you have people like they're able to like just donate or yeah so that's yeah. just like right through the website yeah so you can donate right on the website there's a link there um PayPal, Venmo, we've done some raffles. We raffled a bike off last year. Mm -hmm. um, the company I work for has a very generous one-to-one -one match. So anybody at work that donates, you know, they'll match up to a thousand dollars per employee. Right. So people at work. Are so you do some back alley stuff. You're like, here's a grand dude. <laughs> Give it back to me and then we'll get two. <laughs> we gotta keep it above board. 
Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, so it's just good, you know. The the local community really stepped up this past fall and helped us fundraise for a trailer because that was kind of the next logical step for me is somewhere we can haul bikes and gear and spare parts and maybe a work stand for some of these bigger trips that we do. Mm -hmm. uh, so somebody put together a fundraiser and they raised, you know, like $3,000 and we bought a trailer with it. So what were they doing for a fundraiser? What kind of what kind of fundraising? Like when somebody says fundraiser, like the only thing that my mind can think of is like washing cars. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we weren't washing cars and speedos or anything. Yeah. Uh, okay. Good. But, you know, Facebook <laughs> has some pretty great fundraising tools. Uh huh. If there's a if you are a registered five hundred one c three, you can just you know get on Facebook and say create fundraiser. Mm hmm choose the organization you want it to go to and then people just donate so sometimes that you know people will do it for their birthday and be like hey instead of buying me a birthday present just yeah you would have yeah. spent send to this program i've been seeing those what do you got to yeah. do to be 501c like what does that even mean yeah so a 501c3 is a tax code um what it means is that you've gone through the filing with the irs uh -huh. and you basically are designated a 501c3, which is a tax exempt organization. Mm -hmm. And you can then also write like donation receipts to people so they can use that for their own taxes. Ah, I see. So yeah. like, what was the process like to become that? Like, was that pretty simple? Like you just- no, it was, Yeah, it was, it was burdensome, right? So the first thing we had to do is file for incorporation. Uh -huh. uh, in the state of Texas at the time I did that, there was no cost for veterans who were starting businesses. Uh -huh. so, um, we did our incorporation paperwork. I, I found a lawyer to work with who, who took good care of us, right? He gave us a nice break on some of the pricing, helped us with uh -huh. our laws, our articles of incorporation. Um, and then once everything was buttoned up on that side of the house, I then applied through the IRS for the 501c3 designation, which took another, you know, six months or so. Oh, wow. So it's so, a process, huh? It's a process. They don't just hand that stuff out. No, <laughs> no, they don't. So, so now you say you, how long you said you've been doing it for two and a half years now? Yeah. So March of 18 is when we filed for incorporation with the state of Texas. Right on, man. Yeah. That's really exciting. I know um, I did these uh, camping events for, for my biker channel and um the last couple of years they got messed up just because it's been like bad weather or something it just look whatever i'm going to give you a bunch of excuses why i didn't happen the last two years <laughs> but what i was getting at is like the first year i had like i don't know maybe 10 people there and then the second year i had like there was probably like 50 or 60 people there and i couldn't freaking believe it and i remember like just like kind of standing back at one point of the night and just watching everybody having a good time and stuff. And I was just like, kind of choked me up, man. It was like, dude, this is really cool. Like that I brought all these people together and they're having like this moment of their life that they're, you know, potentially that they could remember forever. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. it's really fulfilling. So I could imagine like doing something like that with with more of a purpose than than what I was, you know, where it's like, you know, this this veteran reason and uh that's that's really awesome. So you've already exceeded your expectations of the first, you know, 
couple of bikes and and kind of going from there where do you see it continuing to go yeah so i mean dream world right i do this as a full-time job uh-huh uh, it's going to take quite a bit to get there i think yeah my goal is five years uh-huh i think i can continue doing what i'm doing right now between balancing work family and the dirt therapy project i think i can do that for five more years uh-huh uh, but if we're not to the point where I'm able to do this full time and devote all my energy and attention to it, we're yeah. going to have like a very serious, you know, come to Jesus moment. Like, yeah. To figure out whether you want to keep doing it or like just to yeah, like, if it's even feasible, you know, uh -huh. years I'll have a, a 10 year old and a nine year old and a six year old uh -huh. and a five year old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our kids will have. No, but um, <laughs> so that's the plan, right? That's worth thinking big and, just trying uh -huh. to put this nationwide, figure out how to spread this and have people adopt it. So this year was good for us in terms of growth. We found somebody in Colorado, like in the Denver area, who's basically running, I guess I wouldn't call it a chapter because the legal organization isn't there yet, but more or less they run a chapter for us. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got the same thing in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. and as of just a couple of weeks ago, same thing in Bentonville. We met up with a couple awesome riders, army vet, mm -hmm. and super stoked on what we're doing, wants to be a part of it. So he's gonna run, you know, like a little mini version of what we're doing here up in So like what what does that in, in like entail? Like say some dude in like St. Paul, Minnesota is listening right now and he's like, dude, I wanna do this too. I wanna be part of this. Like what would what would what would that mean? Does that just mean he like leads group rides? Does that mean he needs to figure out how to come up with some some bikes for people or what 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 is it that you like how do you do yeah that? yeah so their first responsibility would be leading group rides right, right. Organizing some sort of presence in the area um whether that's like a monthly or bi-monthly event just mm -hmm. together and riding um ideally we'd hope that they try to follow the same plan that we've set forth and that they can do some fundraising you know, get some equipment set up because we're not we're not set up yet to where we can send people bikes or send them you know yeah. a couple thousand dollars to go buy some gear. We're just we're not there quite yet. Um, mm -hmm. so our hopes would be is that they can kind of take the reins on that and just essentially kind of start over, but in their own area, um, mm -hmm. help and guidance. I guess that I could. Yeah. That. Yeah. So the guys in the other cities right now, they're just, they're doing group rides. That's what they're doing leading that stuff. Yep, exactly. Do you have like a section on your website that like shows where the different, different areas are or that's not really built out or? So not on the website yet. Um, on our Facebook page, there's the subgroups. So you uh -huh. can go to the dirt therapy project and it shows our Facebook page and then there are the groups. So there's the North Carolina group, the Colorado group and the Arkansas group. Uh-huh. And the and the San Antonio group, right? Yeah, I need to probably create a standalone San Antonio group because I just kind of treat the page as our like, Yeah, group. yeah, I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Right on, man. I know I'm friends with a, a YouTuber down there, um, No Front Breaks. I don't know if you've ever oh, yeah. ever met him. And yeah, uh, he said the community down there, like the, the trail builders and everybody's pretty tight, like when he does little races and stuff like that, everybody's like really dialed into each other yeah i'm sure that helps a lot i went down there and rode that uh that spider mountain with him that was pretty fun you guys go out there yeah spider's fun yeah 
what else do you guys what else do you guys get into then uh so i mean local to san antonio there's some pretty fun trails uh, McAllister park is good for beginners that's where i usually take people who haven't been riding very long or maybe it's been mm -hmm. a long time since they've ridden um the leon creek greenway has some great trails back there you know off of the paved uh greenway section flat rock ranch is out in comfort and they've got some you know pristine riding it's a good mm -hmm. time to go out there and then you get up into the austin area south austin you know walnut creek brushy creek uh mm -hmm. we're headed out to reveille peak ranch next weekend um, i've actually never ridden out there but Team Trail Party, Jeremiah, some of the guys, No Front Breaks, you know, that he mentioned the community there real big. Yeah, yeah, that's Austin. You know, I was screwing up. I was thinking about Austin, but I was saying, but I was talking to you about San Antonio. So, well, I mean, I it's was, like 90 miles away, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. In Texas, it's like right up the road. Right. <laughs> My uh, son's stationed down there now. He's in, he's in Hood. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts, man. Whenever I had him, I uh, was like, man, 18 years. It's going to be a long time. And now I'm like, holy crap, he's 20. <laughs> hell, man? I don't even know what happened. <laughs> it's it's nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're going out, like, do you have, like, some kind of, uh, like, protocol that you follow as far as, like, how the rides go? Or you just kind of, like, meet up with people and um just kind of wing it or what's the do you guys have like you guys all do a prayer at the beginning high high five or something <laughs> yeah a little, you know sacrifice in the mountain yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so i guess we're like formally informal uh, uh -huh. anybody that wants to come out and ride has to complete a waiver on our site basically uh -huh. saying you know if they get hurt while they're with us sorry that's bud. your problem yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not our fault i was gonna uh, ask you about that yeah, so we've got a waiver, and then when we meet up, you know, I'll kind of just remind everybody that we're there to have a good time. Obviously, we love seeing progression, um, but not to the extent where we like seeing people get broken. Right, there's, right. There's smart progression, and then there's reckless progression. Uh, we try to keep people away from the reckless part. Yeah. And you know, I think probably, reckless progression is the only progression I had most of my life. So yeah, that be <laughs> right. Like you know, two years. I'm two years post shoulder rebuild. I broke my ankle last year. I've got a plate and screws. So yeah, I there you go. Don't want people to have that. So right. You know, there's like the realm of riding, and then maybe ride one level over your ability or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of a reminder. You know, we're here to have fun. Here to have a good time. Ride another day. Let's just. Mm -hmm. So do you have like specific rides that are like, Hey, this is, you know, back to like getting to the guy that just like ETS or whatever, has no money and like that are specific yeah. to like, Hey, these are going to be beginner rides to get people into it. Or is it yeah. like any ride somebody could show up and be at that level? No, because I don't think that's responsible on my part. Right. Like right. I would say anybody can come out and ride spider mountain with us. I, right. I want somebody their first experience on a bike being in a downhill park. Right. Um, yeah. When I create events, they're, they're targeted to skill levels, right? It's either an all abilities or, you know, this is probably an advanced or intermediate ride. Mm -hmm. uh, and then our bigger trips, uh, I've yet to take anybody on a big trip that I haven't personally ridden with. 
Yeah, yeah. Right, because there is some sense of personal responsibility there. You don't want 100%. them to hurt. You have yeah. to bet that they have the skills and abilities to ride and that they're not just taking up a seat that could go to somebody else. Yeah. Right? Like Yeah, definitely. In the nonprofit world, and I, I hate to say this, and luckily we haven't experienced it much, but there's there's the freebie warriors. Yeah. Right? Are people who want something free kind of regardless yeah. of what. Yeah, I just want a free bike. I'm actually not going to use it, but yeah, give me, give it to me. Yeah, that's yeah. that sucks. And that's I one. You have to look out for that, you know. Yeah, and I guess I'll touch on that super quick. Is you yeah, know, I time. will never, ever, 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 ever buy somebody a bike. Mm -hmm. Even if we're making five million dollars a year, I will never flat out buy somebody a bike because I think that there's pride of ownership that comes with having to sacrifice some money and pay for your own bike. Right. Yeah. I would very happily subsidize a bike for somebody. And mm -hmm. we've also already, you know, there's several bikes that we've put, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars towards for somebody who deserves that bike. Yeah. Uh, but they also they meet us halfway or they do what they can and we make yeah. it because there is that pride of ownership. There's um what else would you call it? Like, you know, you pay for something, you sacrifice something, you're going to, you're going to take care of it. Yeah. Which all sure. feel good about yourself because you, you worked you did that. It. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, I wasn't sure where you were going with that when you first started, but that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I definitely, definitely see where you're coming from there. But if you want to give me a free bike, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll probably meet you halfway somewhere, you know. Right, right. No free bikes. <laughs> right. So you did Bentonville. What was that? Like, how how, how um, how'd that all come together? Dude, Bentonville is super rad. Um, if you've never ridden it, you should certainly put it on your list. Uh, Let me tell you a story about this real quick. Okay. My lady works in uh, in um, produce, let's just say. And so she would go to Bentonville when we first got together, like a couple of times a year, cause she'd go be meeting with Walmart. Right. Yeah. And whenever I'd ask her like, you know, cause she traveled all the time and it'd be like, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Arkansas. I'm like, Oh, what's there? Nothing. It's horrible. <laughs> Just can't wait to get home. It sucks. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And then somewhere along the line, like some YouTuber made a video about that place. And I was like, Holy cow, this is sick. So I was like, when are you going back to Bentonville? And she's like, Oh yeah, I don't do that contract anymore. I'm like what? Oh, <laughs> like until he didn't know. Like I would have been able to like just fly along with her and like stay for free and like she could do whatever the heck she was doing for work and I could have rode all day. Yeah. And then here we are. Now I'm gonna have to pay to go myself, right? Yeah. Lame. So, anyways, you were saying so you guys decided to go there. Yeah. So it's totally worth it. Um, that was the second time I've been up there, and it's just a mountain bikers Mecca. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. There are trails mm -hmm. everywhere. So the Walton foundation is the front runner for all of the trails up there. They've invested $85 million in trail building mm -hmm. over the last four or five years. And they're just outstanding. Yeah. So, you know, we rented an Airbnb and probably 300 yards from our Airbnb, we could get on some trails and end up over, um, in the slaughter pen area mm -hmm. and then Kohler mountain is like, you know, 10 minutes from downtown. We went and rode Eureka Springs one day. Uh, they, sh they can pay for a shuttle out there. So it's basically just 
you know, downhill shuttle runs. Uh, it's just so is it like downhill all the way back to town or is it like just downhill at that place? Yeah, it's just downhill in Eureka Springs. You know, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Five, six minute runs maybe. and then Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Right on, man. It sounds super cool. I'd really like to go sometime. So we, you guys just like rode all day and then come nighttime, just crack some beers open, like have bonfire or something or? Yeah, so we'd ride all day. Uh, the first day is when we rode Eureka Springs and Rich Drew came out and hung out with us for a little while and, you know, said some nice things to everybody. Thanks everybody for their service, which was cool and had a little swag for all the people that were there. Um, rode all day, shuttled all day, got back, you know, ordered up some like $200 worth of Chick-fil-A and we just kind of <laughs> and sat around and had a good time. Right on, man. That's super awesome. So you said you've done a few events like that now? Yeah. So we did Bentonville um, in May of this year. We did Angel Fire in New Mexico. Yeah, I've heard about that place too. Uh, also Prime Riding. Uh-huh. And last and that's more year, like park riding there, isn't it? It's a it's a park, yeah. It's yeah, a, yeah. A park. We've done Big Bend National Park, which was fun because it was it was conducive to all riding levels, right? There's mm -hmm. no technical riding within the national park. It's all just big, wide, you know, Jeep roads kind of out in the mm -hmm. middle of nowhere. Um, There's some hot springs and we'd go hike and hang out in the hot springs and ride bikes. So it was a good time. Right on, man. What are you, what are you learning each time you do one of these? I'm sure there's like some like key takeaways. I know every time I did the biker event, it was like, okay, next year I need to plan to do this, you know? Yeah. So the lesson that really hit home this time around was delegation. Uh huh. Um, you know, for all these events and pretty much everything else we do, I kind of take it upon myself to be the point man for everything. Yeah. It won't be sustainable much longer if we continue to grow like this. So for this trip, it was delegation, right? Instead of me worrying about loading the bikes and finding the food and packing the gear, I could just be like, hey, I need you to xyz or mm -hmm. ordering food which was which was nice and so mm -hmm. that's definitely a lesson i'm taking forward yeah yeah so i saw on your website your your wife is obviously part of this and then you had another guy on there as well is he yeah. there in this in the san antonio area too or yeah so his name is joe sulak he's here in the san antonio area um mm -hmm. uh, phenomenal guy i don't even know how we connected it was just kind of by happenstance he, he does a lot of coaching for like ultra marathoners, you know, uh -huh. high endurance athletes. And then he's really involved with Bicycle Heaven as far as, you know, social media directing. And he does the specialized retool bike fit kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, phenomenal guy, tons of knowledge, uh, not a veteran, but he saw kind of what we were building and just was really nice and really genuine about wanting to help out and mm -hmm. so we brought him on and it's just been it's been great having him on board he's a, a wonderful sounding board mm -hmm. uh, and i go to him quite often with you know so so with your local stuff then you have a couple of people there in san antonio or are you the only one you and him are the only ones that are leading rides or uh no we've we've got a large presence in san antonio so uh -huh. There are probably over a dozen people that I could call on and ask them to lead a ride, and they'd be more than happy to. Uh huh. So, um, what do you like? So, you're are you doing monthly or weekly or bi month? Oh, like, what's your what's your? Uh... Yeah, well, 
it it's evolving. So obviously this year has been crazy. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> trying to do anything this year has been weird. Uh, when we started, it was it was weekly rides, uh-huh. which is easy when there's two or three people, right? We'd have two or three people and we'd ride every week and then it would be more people. And so it was every other week. And last year we really tried for monthly rides, um, which was my goal coming into 2020 is to have one dedicated ride every month. Uh-huh. And then the two larger multi-day events. Uh-huh. Every it, month? Well, no, no. The multi-day events twice. Oh, two, two events through the year and then one big ride, like group ride every month. Right. Right. Yeah. So I love doing 20... those big rides every month. But... Yeah, right. And then 2020 came along and was like, poop yeah. on that. Yeah. Do it. You, you'll do what I want. <laughs> yeah. Kind of threw a wrench in the plans. Yeah, it's yeah. So good. I'm sure, though, either way, I mean, you get to like kind of re-seat yourself i guess for next year i mean I, I don't know what it's like in texas right now as far as are you guys like kind of opening back up or like california we're like our our fuhrer governor is like <laughs> telling us now we can't have more than three families for thanksgiving we have to eat outside and socially distance for <laughs> so like I, I don't know what's going on in texas what's going on over there yeah i mean it's not life as normal but right it's not like that we're still wearing masks pretty much everywhere yeah the parks are open the trails are open yeah restaurants are open what's the writing like in san antonio i have a buddy that i grew up with and i went down there and met with him somehow or another i'm a cowboys fan so i we flew into san antonio and then we drove up to to dallas to see a game together and uh I just remember it's like pretty much like wide open kind of rolling hills there. Yeah. So it's, it's flat, right? San Antonio, the hill country area. Um, you don't get any big climbs that mm-hmm. doesn't exist here, but the riding's super fun. You know, it, you probably won't get more than a thousand feet of elevation when you go out and ride, but mm-hmm. there's some tight twisty track to ride through. A lot of it goes through cedar and oak tree, just kind of, you know, removed from the busy population. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of wildlife. You know, I, I don't think I've gone on a ride where I haven't seen deer. Sometimes you'll see armadillo, skunk mm-hmm. if you're unlucky. Yeah. So, yeah, the riding's great. So, like, it's twisty fun. kind of stuff, like, a little more, like, is it, like, I know, like, down in Florida, the way they build down there is they have lots of, like, jumps and, like, rollers wooden features and stuff like that to kind of like make up for the lack of of elevation gain and loss is is it something like that or just like we're going that way yeah yeah there's some people doing some pretty cool work on some of these local trails Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there's the you know the trails we don't talk about yeah yeah the trail knows they're doing their thing too right yeah we got a lot of those in california because otherwise you need like a billion dollars to build something new so <laughs> Are you guys doing any kind of trail advocacy stuff too with the uh with your group? Um we haven't dived super far into that realm yet. Um mm-hmm. I try to work with Storm, the South Texas off-road mountain bike group. They're another uh-huh. 501c3 and they've partnered with REI and they get grants every year for trail building and maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean we haven't done much together yet. We are hitting a pump track and a skills park uh, 
here at McAllister, which is going to be nice. It's the first one in the area. And so everybody's excited about that. Mm -hmm. So you're going to try to help rally people that go out there and help keep it um, in good shape. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's one of the things with the pump tracks, man. If you don't have a group of people that are willing to volunteer a lot of their time to keep them in good condition, they'll, um, they'll fall apart quickly, you know? Yeah, so this is an asphalt pump. It's like one of the Oh, wow. Oh, man. So never mind. Nobody needs to shovel that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be nice. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I've actually never ridden on one of those. The only ones I've ridden on out here are all like, all dirt so and there's always somebody out there like reshaping it or spraying yeah. water or pulling weeds or something like that i got a buddy he has a, a channel out here too and mountain biking adventures and uh he like basically lives at that place just trying to like keep it together all the time and i i'm like man that's dedication yeah it definitely is that's really cool so so you're you have this five-year plan you're like two and a half years into it so what is it that's going to make you go from where you're at now to where you can quit your job? Uh, I think several things have to happen. Uh, uh -huh. We were lucky this year to partner with Specialized, and so that was a, a big relief for us because we didn't have to keep going out to the market and paying sticker price for bicycles anymore. Oh, um, sweet. So they're hooking you up then. Yeah, so with their help, we were able to bring on you know a fleet of stump jumpers and put that's on some nice bikes. We bought an e-bike this year, which was great for any adaptive riders or people that mm -hmm. have, you know, whatever from the service. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think to get to that point, we have to just continue growing and looking for different avenues of exposure and mm -hmm. finding some, some big players that are willing to invest in what we do in our mission and mm -hmm. help us get to that next level. And So like if people, people are donating to you then it's a tax write-off right that that would be like the that would be the idea behind giving a larger amount of money right yeah i mean that, i mean aside from like obviously you know wanting to do something good right right yeah hopefully they believe in what we're doing and yeah yeah them, right and so that's what we want and then yes the one of the benefits is that they they can write that off as a charitable donation right right so i mean that helps too you know so yeah, I mean, so if anybody's listening, you know, you're you are a rich uncle or you have a rich uncle, you know, just send them our way and right, keep growing. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 totally. So, like, what kind of ways are you looking for more exposure? I mean, obviously, something like this or yeah. So this uh, social media, right? Our Instagram page is growing slowly, mm -hmm. Facebook, um, partnering up with some smaller, better-known companies, well, bigger than us, right? So Killcliff is one of our our sponsors and we get a lot of great product from them what do they do so they got Killcliff got super big in the crossfit world but they it's like a workout supplement oh okay they got real big with their it's called a recovery and uh -huh. you drink it after you work out you know a little bit of caffeine some anti-inflammatories no artificial sugars doesn't make you crash mm -hmm. so they make some awesome products and we love having them on board and they you know, supply our riders with drinks for the rides um mm -hmm. hannah recently came on board as a sponsor they're out of colorado it's a better known cbd company mm -hmm. so we love being able to offer their product to some of the riders and discount codes so yeah just kind of growing that way organically uh -huh. so most of your sponsors are 
sponsoring like giving you guys products or discounts on their products or something like that but maybe not necessarily like financially at this point yeah we don't have anybody yet who's willing to sit down and write us to check or you know yeah yeah or whatever that might be so right yeah, right that's in the future so how do you get to that like what, what do you what is it like do you have a plan for that or you're just kind of like running by the seat of your pants trying to figure it you tell me, man. I've been trying to figure it out for two and a half years. Yeah, right, dude. I, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just the answer, you know? <laughs> right. I have no clue, man. I don't even know where I would start. I, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think it's awesome what you're doing for sure. I'm just, uh, I don't even know what I would, what I would want to think of to try to try to motivate people that way. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of trips are you thinking that you're going to do next year? Yeah, so Angel Fire was a blast. People loved Angel Fire. So, you know, if we get back out there, that would be ideal. Uh -huh. um, I've wanted to take a group to Moab for a couple of years. And so if I can find a way to pull that off in 2021, that would be pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, there are some things in my personal life that make traveling for multiple days difficult. My wife. Yeah, you got a big family, man. You got to take care family. of them. Yeah, we're gonna have a baby in the spring, so um, I don't know exactly what twenty twenty one looks like. I'd love to get to Angel Fire and maybe Bentonville, which and those uh -huh. places are nice because they're close, right? It takes us ten hours to get there. Uh huh. If you live in Texas, it takes a long time to get anywhere. Yeah, so, it's a big state. Yeah, we've got family in Salt Lake, and it takes me twenty three hours to drive up there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. California is pretty big, like top to bottom. You know, a lot of my yeah. I'm from Pennsylvania originally, and like my family will be like, I'm flying into San Diego. Can you meet for lunch? I'm like, yeah, next time I fly into Jacksonville, Florida, will you want to meet me for lunch? <laughs> like, that's how far away you are from my house. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No, but Texas, Texas is definitely huge from like a lot of directions. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, do you charge anybody to go to those or is like the whole thing free? Like, is there like a bunch of like, like you go to angel fire, like, Hey, everybody pay 50 bucks. And then that helps kind of fund it. Or uh, it's like. On uh, free. Yeah. So, so far we've been lucky enough to be able to cover all the expenses for the participants. That's really cool. Yeah. So <clears throat> what, uh, what, 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 is the way that like other people could get involved with it. Um, I just mean, reach out to you to shoot you an email, like say like that guy I was talking about, that's in, you know, BFE Minnesota or something like that. It's like, Hey, I want to start something up and be part yeah. of this. Yeah, for sure. Reach out. Um, you know, I'm happy to connect any, via any social media channel. Usually I give people my cell phone number, which makes it easy once they've reached out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, growing, is difficult because there's only so much capacity mm -hmm. that I have right now. Right. So like, it's hard for me to, if I have 10 people reach out after this from 10 different States who want to organize something, that's kind mm -hmm. of hard to wrap my hands around while yeah, totally. everything else. So, you know, we want to grow, but we want to do so responsibly. Mm -hmm. um, does that mean we'll probably have to bring somebody in and try help managing that next year? Yeah, probably um, mm -hmm. not there yet. But if you have an idea, if there's something you want to do, contribute, you know, thoughts, ideas, growth plans, uh, grant writing is something we could definitely use help on. So we could, there's a lot of help that we can use for sure. 
So what's that process? Like there's grants that the, that the government gives out to 501Cs or something like that, or? There are, yeah, we, we've never received one. Um, grant writing is the very, uh, what would I say? It's an acquired skill. And I think to be mm -hmm. good at it, you have to have done it for a long time. So you like write up some kind of proposition and they like pick you and then you get, get more a certain amount of money. Uh, more wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, that would be cool. Yeah. It'd be great. Anybody, anybody want to write a grant? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a good time, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right on. So, so you said it, it's not a whole lot of elevation gain and loss where you're at. So I'm assuming a lot of, most people are riding 29ers down there. Yeah. 29ers are pretty popular. Uh, -huh. uh you know, but you do have the whole range. You've got people on 26s. The 27.5 is a pretty solid bike. Yeah. All our bikes are 29s. I love the 29er mm -hmm. platform. I went from a 26 to a 29, and so it was just mm -hmm. so wonderful. That, oh, wow. That's a big jump. Yeah, it is a big jump. Are, are you a tall guy, or how, how tall like are you? I'm 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's a big jump, though, still. That's a really big difference. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in the 27.5 camp. I, that's as far as I could go from the, the, um, the 26, whenever I first moved, but you know, I'm like slowly, I'm almost there. Cause I'm running, I'm running plus tires now. So that's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm right there, you know? So yeah. the bikes are definitely getting a lot better at the, uh, the handling now as well compared to when they first came out. So sure. that's, that definitely makes it, it, it a little more fun. Yeah. So how did the first How'd... four bikes we bought were all fat bikes. Oh, wow. Okay. So, we, you know, they're nice for beginner riders and there's that added stability and the footprint of the tire. Um, yeah. We, we were using those for like the first year. Well, no, were those uh, hardtails? They were fully rigid. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming then that was probably a really good bargain for the price then. You, you could get something that still had some squish because of the, the tire pressure, but you know, yep. because it's not a full suspension bike, then it would be a little easier to ride. Yep. And it was good. Or, you know, or to buy. Sorry. Yeah. The maintenance costs weren't astronomical. It was easy to maintain a fully rigid bike. So mm -hmm. they, were, they were good for their intended purpose. How'd you guys work out the thing with specialized? How that somebody approached you or. So Joe kind of facilitated, helped facilitate that whole thing. He's, he's real plugged in with bicycle heaven. Um, bicycle heaven is our local specialized dealer. Matt Adlin is the owner and, you know, Joe kind of approached Matt about it. Matt was on board. He's been super uh, willing to help us out and very, you know, what can we do for you? How can we help you uh -huh. build that relationship? So yeah, uh -huh. great. What do you, what do you like? Did you buy? So I ride this Pemberton right here. It's a, the stump jumper Pemberton. Uh -huh. uh, it's been an absolute blast. Wow. So I, I think I'm going to end up raffling this bike here in a few weeks. Uh-huh. And uh, the next bike is going to be a 21 Enduro. Uh-huh. So How much suspension's on that thing? It looks like it's got a coil on it from here. Yeah, so this is a 150-140. Wow. So not and that's an e-bike? Excuse me? Is an e-bike is what it is? No, this is just a regular stunt. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's an analog. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're yeah. going to raffle it off. Yeah. How, do you, have you done a raffle before? We did one raffle and it went pretty well. You did? Man, yeah. that's my always my fear. One of my buddies was like, "We sh you should do a raffle. And I'm like, 
I don't know. I feel like I'd be like, here's this $5,000 bike and like six people would buy tickets and I'd be like, well, that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. So last year we raffled, I had a Santa Cruz carbon chameleon. Oh, sweet. I have one of those too. Yeah. Awesome bikes. Yeah. Um, but within the first 20 hours, the raffle tickets sold out. Oh, how many did you sell? 60. 60? Yeah. How, how much is a ticket? 60. $60? Oh, right yeah. on. That's not bad. Yeah, well, right on, dude. 3600 bucks, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Man, now you're making me want to do something like that. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I'm going to get in over my head, though, somehow. I, I always end up like... Like those, like those koozies that I was talking about at the beginning of the show, yeah. like these things here. I, I started out all I wanted, like my buddy had this, his uh, tailgate pad came with koozies that you could put on the bikes to keep the paint from getting stretched. Oh, cool. And it's like, I'm like, I'm just going to get on Amazon and buy a couple of blank, like blank ones. That way I can not scratch my bikes. Yeah. And then next thing you know, I'm like ordering fucking 300 koozies from China. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, right. This is the rabbit hole that I go down and I go quick, man. I'm like, I'm all in. Next thing you know, I'm like, here we go. Now I'm now I'm designing some some koozie design for like 16 hours. I'm like, what did I do on Friday? I don't even know. I guess I designed <laughs> the koozie. <laughs> go big or go home, you know. Right, right, totally. So well, you, you have to be careful with raffles though, because raffles are intended to benefit charities mm -hmm. so there's there's some gray area there but i know there are a couple of people on instagram that i had followed and they were like raffling some of their overland vehicle builds uh -huh. and they ended up getting snapped because it was like for personal gain and yeah Anyway. So you can do that as a 501c and that was but, one of the things out here too because i remember somebody i think it might have been bkxe that i was talking to and he was going to do a raffle for something. And then it, it basically like he came to like the conclusion of what you're talking about, where it was like, oh, that's illegal, you know, and like it's because it's like a, a lottery or something like that is like what they kind of place it in the same place as. Right. So it's like, yeah, apparently you have to be at a 501C. So I guess that's the good reason. Now you can do all the raffles you want, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so was that your personal Santa Cruz or you guys just bought it just for the, the raffle? No, it was my personal Santa Cruz. Oh, right on. Put the money back into the program. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, did you like the bike? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Do you have a hardtail now still or? I don't have a hardtail. And, you know, I honestly, first blush is that I love that bike, but I honestly have a love-hate relationship with that bike. Oh, uh, yeah. So, it, that bike drove me to my hate for SRAM brakes. Oh, uh, yeah. I will not ride SRAM brakes. Uh -huh. And I totally blame those brakes for my broken ankle. Oh, yeah. Uh, so here, here's a funny story. Everybody will get a kick out of this. So yeah, last sure. year, almost exactly a year ago, we had been invited to this like Overland Expo to come mm -hmm. set up a booth and showcase our bikes and kind of the stuff, you know, some of the stuff we're doing. Mm -hmm. So we go out there, it's in the middle of nowhere in Lano, Texas, and all these vendors kind of set up their vehicles in this, around this big open field, right. right? You know, bigger than a football field, probably 150 yards by, I don't know, 80 yards wide or something. Um, and we're out there and it's obviously hot as balls because it's October in Texas. Right. And basically the whole day goes by, it was fine, it was whatever. 
and three or four o'clock, it was three o'clock in the afternoon, people are starting to pack up and me and my buddy were kind of bored. So we jump on the bikes and we start tooling around and I get on the chameleon and I start riding across this open field and I was like, I'm going to do a wheelie and all these people are going to love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it was a freaking sweet wheelie, man. Like I was just going and probably 30, 40 yards into it, I start to lose the bike, right? Like uh-huh. it, it starts out. out from under me. Yeah, so I, yeah. I grabbed that brake, just pure sponge, man. I was like, well, that sucks. So I put my foot down because I'm starting to lose my balance, put my foot down, the ground's uneven, and just psh, snapped my ankle. Oh, no. Quick as it quick as could be, which That's was horrible. Yeah, which was super embarrassing. You know, I'm just did it in front of all these people, and I'm just kind of laying there. And I sit up and I look over, and my ankles just kind of flopping there. <laughs> and, you know, everybody comes running, like, oh, "Are you okay?" They bring this little tent over, this canopy, and put it over. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm gonna be all right. Yeah. So, anyway, that sucks. One point. Five pins later, and I, I refuse to ride SRAM brakes. Yeah, I can understand that. I don't like SRAM brakes either. I feel like whenever somebody says it has great modulation, that's like an excuse for crappy braking. Yeah. But that's my personal feeling. The main reason that I like just don't like SRAM brakes, the biggest reason is not the modulation. It's the, uh, they gobble, man. As soon as they like get hot like and dirty, they just start making all kinds of noises like in every direction, you know? And, it, yeah. and it's like, you can get them dialed for like two or three rides. And then all of a sudden it comes back, you know, it's like, like, like turkeys goblin or like chipmunks or something, you know, it's just, and so I had SRAM brakes on my, my last Bronson when I first started the channel and it, it just made so much noise. And it's like, I'm trying to do a, a ride video and it's like, you know, it's like, this is horrible. So yeah, I, I went back to Shimano and I haven't touched them since. I don't like. I got this new V3 Bronson that I have right now, and um, it had the new whatever top of the line SRAM brakes on it. And I I put them on my old one and sold it. And nice. some guy was like, "Well, you didn't even try them." And I'm like, "No, I yeah. don't even care. Yeah. I don't even care if if they if you tell me they're the best brakes in the world, I don't even care. I'm not like." I've made up my mind. I'm not doing it again. Unless Shimano's all of a sudden get shitty. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm riding from now on. <laughs> well, so that's actually how I ended up on this bike, this, this Pemberton. Um, when I was started working with specialized, like, you know, pick out a bike that you like. And I was looking through it. And the only way you can get Shimano components is on an S works build. Mm-hmm. That, that way I can afford an S works build. Yeah, those things are so this, like special edition Pemberton uh, came with the coil and then came with Magura MT7. So like oh, nice. because it doesn't have, you know, SRAM brakes, I'll buy that. Right, right. How do you like the Magura ones? I haven't ridden I those. I love them. I absolutely really good. Them. Yeah. What size rotor are you running? Uh, 200 up front and a 180 in the back. Right on it. But they're good, huh? They're great, man. I'm actually going to take these brakes. Oh, keep doing the wrong side. I'm going to take these off of this and put them on the Enduro when it comes in. Right on, man. That'll be yeah. fun, dude. That'll yeah. be super fun. Yeah. Right on, dude. So I don't know, man. I don't know what else to, to, to ramble on about. You got anything else coming up that you'd like to talk to people about? Oh, uh, what else we got coming up? Yeah. Nothing. I don't think that we haven't covered. Yeah. Uh, 
if anybody's listening and wants to, you know, check out what we're doing, our Instagram tag is at Dirt Therapy Project. Same with Facebook. Um, I'm happy to connect on any social media platform. LinkedIn is kind of my more professional mm-hmm. side. I've got short hair in my LinkedIn picture. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't when I saw you first come on. The only thing I saw on your Instagram was like your military picture, and I was like, dude, yeah. lo- looks like a hippie now. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, with Corona, I went a little while without getting a haircut, and I was like, well, I'm just going to keep going now, right? Just so, keep going now, man. Next thing you know, yeah. you're like Lieutenant Dan or something, man. Yeah. <laughs> my wife nuts, so that's just one reason to keep going, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know exactly how that goes. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, man, to sit down and uh, and chat with me, dude. It's definitely been fun hearing about what you guys got going on, and I hopefully um, – hopefully some, some people are inspired, you know, I think it's important for, uh, for veterans to, to kind of do something to get your head right, you know? And for me, mountain biking helps a lot from a lot of my friends that are, that are veterans. It's the same thing. My one buddy always says you got to outride the demons. Yeah. So it's a good time. Anybody that's been listening and, uh, you guys enjoyed the episode hit the like button definitely if you want to hear more hit the subscribe button and uh like i said you can get one of these cool biker koozies that i ended up designing because um apparently i go down the rabbit hole you can pick one up for nine bucks that's shipping included or three for 20 so go by uh shop dot let me try that again go by shop.biker.com and uh pick one of those up if you guys want to help out with the beer fridge hit up patreon that'll be that'd be awesome keep the uh keep the beer fridge full otherwise but that thing's empty man i might just close shop call it a day (laughs) anyways jonathan hey man it was really awesome awesome having you on i really appreciate it and i want everybody to remember one thing it only takes a bike to be a biker so get out and be one